0: This is Ryan Archidak and I shout out to the Bulls HQ podcast all the way from Australia who represent and thanks for all the support. Fans, and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue White Sports Podcasting Network. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the show, one that is brought to you by Untucket. Thank you to them for sponsoring this episode of Bulls HQ, and thank you to you for tuning into the show this week. We're coming at you pretty much after, well, I just got done watching the Bulls beat the Pistons, which was nice to get a win for a change because we've been in the midst of a six game losing streak for our Chicago Bulls. So, Things haven't been great in the new year, but the Bulls did pick up their first win of 2020, beating an undermanned Detroit Pistons team and even more undermanned after Andre Drummond decided to uh, get himself thrown out of the game stupidly, which was good for the Bulls, I guess. So having said that, they did play, them being the Pistons, they did play a lot better once Andre Drummond checked out of the game. So maybe it would have even been better if he, maybe he stayed in the game, but it was good to see the Bulls get a win against the Pistons finally we get a, a win in 2020. After a tough run of games, we all knew the schedule was going to get a little tougher from here on out, but we all expected that. But we, I guess it's been a task made even more, more difficult given the Bulls will now be without Wendell Carter for the next four to six weeks. And I guess that really is the biggest talking point thus far, which is, yeah, it's unfortunate for Wendell that the fact that he missed a good chunk of his rookie season or half of his rookie season through injury, he's going to miss between a month, a month and a half now. With the ankle injury that of which he's sustaining as the, the Mavericks, so bad high ankle sprain. We we had time to I guess process the fact that this was probably a, going to be a bad injury for Wendell. We knew the minute he got hurt, he looked pretty uncomfortable. He was in a lot of pain on the ground there against the Mavs. He checked out of that game. He didn't obviously didn't return, but we saw against the Pelicans what. I guess maybe what was around the corner for the Bulls with Wendell Carter being out. And I guess we had some time for us to internally process what the Bulls may look like or the fact that we would be without Wendell Carter for quite some time. And obviously the news came through at the back end of the week that Wendell will be missing four to six weeks. So that is definitely a shame for Wendell. It's huge news for a Bulls defense that was... Probably overperforming for the, you know, between November and December. I've made my feelings about the defense pretty, pretty clear, I think, at this point. I've always likened it to a gimmick scheme. I always thought it would come undone against better opponents. And we saw that towards the start of 2020, where the Bulls were facing better teams better offences, smarter offences, offences that had multiple ball handlers that can do things off the dribble, which is what a, I guess, a very aggressive, overly aggressive pick and roll sort of style defence, one of the balls that, one of the balls obviously use. Once you get a team that is smart enough to sort of pass through that double team, to pass through that that roll situation, and they can find that open man that type of team can expose the Bulls and obviously that those types of teams are typically the better ones so it's not a surprise that the Bulls defense has started to slide into 2020 and and to be fair I guess the defense was sliding under Wendell Carter too but I think it's been even more exposed now obviously without Wendell so that's huge news for the Bulls defense It's it's unfortunate for Wendell because he was having a pretty good season probably didn't take the step that I was hoping for thus far this season but maybe when he returns hopefully he can get back on track and Kickstart the development of his sophomore season. So he's hoping to uh to Wendell gets back sooner rather than later because it, it ultimately this does influence the Bulls, the Bulls' rest of the season, really a bit without Wendell. Like I said, we saw how bad the Bulls looked against the Pelicans on Wednesday without Wendell. That was their first game without Wendell, so there was some adjustment period going on there, but the Pelicans really did exploit the Bulls defense without without Wendell Carter. There was just two Far too easy penetration into the lane. So that's something obviously Wendell can sh- sort of shut off before it even happens. Really, when he's sort of when he's guarding the pick and roll with whoever's guarding the ball handler as well. So the Bulls like to double that pick and roll, or at least hedge hard on that pick and roll. But you remove. Wendell Carter from that. You ask Larry Markin and you ask Daniel Galford, even Luke Cornett, to guard that pick and roll the same way Wendell Carter Carter does. And you're, you're really asking for problems and you're putting your players in a tough position at that point. So it's not surprising that the Bulls defense got exposed against the Pelicans. The Pelicans were able to get into the lane far too often they were able to create too many three-point attempts that weren't going in the first half and which kept scores tied at 48 or in that first half in the first half there but the Pelicans more than certainly pulled away in the second half and that looked kind of bad and it was similar story against the, against the Indiana Pacers on Friday night so the Bulls We're just outclassed in the paint against the Pacers. 70 points, I think, the Pacers had in the paint compared to the Bulls, 36. So the Bulls were just absolutely destroyed, particularly by Miles Turner. So the the Pacers didn't actually have Sabonis in this game. They didn't have Malcolm Brogdon and they most definitely didn't have Victor Oladipo. So they were down three starters as well. But the Pacers' front line still demolished the Bulls in that game. So again, not a super surprise. Larry Markin, I think at this point, I think it's pretty clear that he's not a center. He's been getting more minutes at center with Wendell out, but to me, at least to my eyes, it doesn't look like Larry Markins ever going to to be a center in the NBA. So to me, he's strictly a power forward at this point, but he's filling in for for Wendell at center right now, or at least logging some of his minutes at center, but that did not go well against the Pacers to the point where Daniel Gafford is getting more minutes. He got the start against the Pacers. He's definitely got the start against the, uh, the Detroit Pistons here, which I thought may be a problem going up against Andre Drummond. A big, big man that would, uh, potentially destroy the Bulls on the glass, given what Miles Turner had done only a night earlier. But thankfully, uh, Andre Drummond was not engaged in this game at all. So the Bulls maybe got a, got away with one there because Drummond just did not want to play basketball tonight. But the, be, without Wendell Carter, the Bulls are going to be exposed on the glass. Their defense is going to be exposed. And we saw that against the Pelicans. We saw that against the Pacers. Good win for the Bulls against the Detroit Pistons. Their scheme, their defensive scheme, makes more sense against a Pistons team, one that doesn't have a lot of shooting. Particularly when you have Luke Kennard out of the out of the rotation, he was out injured against the Bulls. So you take away the Kennard, you take away their best shooter. They don't have much shooting on the perimeter. That they don't have a lot of playmakers on the perimeter either. It was pretty much just Derek Rose doing stuff for the Pistons against the Bulls last night. So in that sense. You don't have a lot of defensive responsibility in the pick and roll to take away that ball handle for the balls. That's very easy. Like I said, the fact of that Andre Drummond didn't really show up in this game, you didn't have that rim rolling threat that typically has sort of hurt the balls with their defensive style. So the balls were able to use their, their, their current D defensive formation against the Pistons and were able to get away with it or not feel the loss of Carter because... Well, basically, the Pistons aren't up for it, I guess. The Bulls have had the Pistons measure all season. They're now 4-0 and against the Pistons this year, which is pretty damn despicable if you're a Detroit Pistons fan. I mean, we've had our issues as Bulls fans this year, but imagine being a Pistons fan at this point. You're getting absolutely smashed by the Bulls. I mean, that is damn tough if you're a Pistons fan right now. But yeah, it, it, a good win for the Bulls. They needed that. They're up to 14-26 and now on the season, so obviously not a good record. Still, I guess mathematically have a chance of pushing towards that eight C, but I, I don't know what it means at this point. Which I guess is another repercussion of the Wendell Carter injury, because we, as we progress here through January and into February, the schedule will get tougher for the Bulls. It's going to get continue to get harder. So. I, I don't expect too many more wins coming up up here, and I expect those losses to continue to rack up to the point where we see more of the balls that we saw against the Pacers or the Pelicans more so than what we saw against the Pistons tonight. But it was good to get a little bit of a mini reprieve here to get a win of sorts. But we have to sort of start asking the question, if the losses do start to pile up, what does that mean for the remainder of the season. Because this next four to six weeks, I've been saying this quite often, but the next four to six weeks are ultimately going to define this season. But if the Bulls come through the next sort of 15 games and they go 5 and 10 or maybe even worse, then that's pretty much the season done. You're not getting into that eight seed. So at that point, when Wendell's coming back towards... The trade deadline, what what are the Bulls doing at that point? Are they are they looking at being sellers at the deadline? Are they looking at being buyers? Probably not. I'm assuming they're gonna be sellers on guys like Denzel Valentine, who Joe Cowley reported today, isn't very happy with his role, which is, you know, we could all assume as much given he's now all of a sudden out of Jim Boylan's rotation for whatever reason. Guys like Tomas Sadoransky, even Thad Young, are they trade pieces? Should the balls be selling them? And maybe if they go the next 15 games and only win five of those games, and all of a sudden they're, instead of being 12 games under 500, they're, they're 17 games under 500 or something even worse, then you're really looking at this season as an, another lost season and you have to start thinking about maybe trading some of these players. So the, this Wendell Carter kind of injury wasps that will have impacts on the Bulls on the court from a defensive standpoint, obviously from a rotational standpoint. We talked about Larry and getting more minutes to center. We talked about Daniel Gafford now starting. Even Luke Cornett coming off the bench against the Pistons, being a plus 20, drilling 15 points off the bench. I mean, we got a good Luke Cornett game, so thankfully the Bulls didn't waste that. But obviously there's been some impacts in terms of the rotation with Wendell being out. But this injury with him missing four to six weeks, it's going to have repercussions across the floor for the Bulls. So the next couple of weeks are going to be super interesting to see how they manage that all because their season ultimately hinges on that. And making the Carter injury maybe even worse is the fact that Daniel Gafford and Larry Markinen have their own ankle issues. So if you happen to miss that earlier in the week, Larry Markinen hurt himself against... The Boston Celtics, I think it was Marcus Smart sort of flailing himself into a, into a drive, which caught Markinen's leg under him. He sort of fell onto Markinen's leg, which rolled his ankle. And Lowry has been playing hurt, I guess, for the last few games. Jim Boylan spoke about it after the Pacers game. The fact that he loves the fact that, uh, that Lowry's out here sort of playing through an injury, which is kind of ridiculous for anyone to suggest as much. But that is what Boylan went with. So, Larry has been playing with his own ankle, ankle issue. Gafford got hurt against the Dallas Mavericks, again, with, the, with an ankle issue for him as well. He managed to play through it, so not as severe as the ankle issue that Wendell Carter obviously sustained. But Gafford is hurt right now. He's got his own ankle issue, as does Markin, And I guess that was probably the, the main I guess that was another big talking point of this week as well. The fact that Daniel Gafford not only played out the Dallas Maverick game, but wasn't even subbed out of the Dallas Maverick game when he was injured. So you've probably all caught up on the news on that one. But essentially, Gafford heard it himself on a defensive possession. The the, the Mavericks scored. Play basically stopped because everyone assumed that Jim Boylan would call a timeout at that point to get his player off the floor. That most certainly didn't happen. He wanted Gafford to sort of run out that possession. He didn't want to. He didn't want to call a timeout for whatever reason. It was basically the end of the sec- end of the first half. There was like forty seconds left. So I don't know why he was trying to conserve a timeout at that point. He obviously copped a bit of flak uh, the previous game against the Celtics for calling a timeout and and having to get Markin off the floor with four minutes left to go in that game. And he basically was without a. A timeout at that point. So the previous game, he got some crap from. Well, the media were asking questions, but certainly us online were definitely blaming Boylan as to why the hell he only had the one timeout at that point to to take Markin out of the game. But then the the next night after, he doesn't call a timeout to get Daniel Gafford out of the game. He tried calling a sub. He can't do that after and a team score the ball it needs to be a dead ball situation whether that's a foul whether that's a turnover whatever it is that's when you can make the sub but obviously the the Mavericks had just scored so Boylan was trying to sub Gafford out of the game but something he he couldn't obviously do so for whatever reason he was reluctant to call a timeout to the point where Gafford was hobbling up the court on the Bulls offensive possession I I don't know what Boylan was trying to do at that point but for whatever reason at that point Carlisle the Dallas Mavericks coach, the coach who sort of standard to benefit by having his team going up against four players instead of five, he actually took the, Mercy's, the mercy foul, so that forcing one of his players to foul one of the balls, that way there would be a dead ball situation where Boylan could get his player out of the game in Gaffin and get the sub in. So. That was completely ridiculous. It was probably one of the lowest moments of Jim Boylan's head coaching career at this point, which is saying something given what we sort of witnessed on the first week of of Boylan's career on the job. But the fact that this has happened almost a year, well, not almost, a year after Boylan has been on the job, you would think he maybe wouldn't go down this path. But of course, with that happening and, and sort of got lost for whatever reason, I don't know why this wasn't put to Boylan more. By the media? Why by Bulls media? Maybe it's because they want there weren't many beat guys sort of traveling with the team into Dallas. I don't know what the the logical reasoning is, but essentially there well there was there wasn't many question posed to Boylan as to why the hell he did this. So this was like almost coaching malpractice. I I don't know why Boylan. Did not cop more heat for this, and if you go and listen to the the, uh, the Dallas Mavericks broadcast, actually trying to make sense of what Boylan was doing, trying to do in this situation with Gafford, they they couldn't make sense of it at all. They were dumbfounded by the entire situation. So that was just a terrible, terrible stain on this week for the Bulls. And I think Boylan's very, very lucky that he's that particular incident. He's been able to get away with that one a little bit too 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 neatly for my liking, and, and the, I hate the fact that that was the case, but. It is what it is, I suppose. Boylan gets away with that, despite it being the dumbest thing that I've seen him doing a god-long time. And again, that is saying something. But going back to the main point here, the Bulls are carrying some injuries. Obviously, Wendell Carter, but their front line is hurt at the moment. Lowry and Gafford, are sort of sustaining some injuries here to the point where... I'm questioning why the Bulls are running the same defensive scheme, even with Wendell out. Now, Boylan wants to keep that same trap-heavy defense in that super aggressive scheme where the Bulls are sort of hunting out turnovers, doubling up on the pick and roll, sort of forcing rotations. I don't think that is the type of defense you should be running when you've got guys like market and Gafford playing the center position, but... This is something, obviously, that Boylan wants to do for whatever reason. So, to me, at least, I mean, Wendell is obviously out. That immediately is going to make your defensive coverage a lot tougher to handle. But the fact that you're going to be running this scheme where... I mean, Gafford is a good athlete, but he's probably more so a vertical athlete. He's someone that goes up and blocks shots. He's someone that obviously goes up and dunks the hell out of the ball. He's not really a lateral athlete. Definitely not the case for Larry Markham. And that Bulls center really needs to be that sort of lateral mover if you're sort of asking him to guard out past the three-point line, then also asking him to sort of run back in and protect the paint. So there's a lot of stuff that Wendell Carter does for the Bulls that goes unnoticed and I think that's unfair for Boylan to ask guys like Mark and to ask Gafford or even most certainly even Luke Cornett to go out there and try to replicate what Wendell Carter does. Because what he does do for the Bulls is not replicable by anyone on this roster. So we'll see how the defense holds up without Wendell Carter. But I don't have high hopes right now. And we've seen it over the last few games that the defensive rating of the team has sort of started to slide game by game. It was good against the D, the Detroit Pistons, but again, the Pistons are a bad team. The Bulls have had their measure all year and they were without most of their starters. The Bulls held the Pistons to a 103.1 defensive rating, which is most certainly good. But the previous six games, they are basically giving up 118 points per 100 possessions in those six games, which is damn near league worst bad. So, In that sense, we had started to see the defense sort of sliding off even with Wendell in place. But now the fact that you remove Wendell Carter, I think it's going to get pretty ugly pretty quickly to the point where I don't want Boylan running the same defensive coverage. I want to have the balls to be running more of a drop coverage, something a little bit more conservative where you can have your big guy like Daniel Gafford sort of rolling back into the rim. And particularly against the Pistons team, that's where it would have made sense too where you can have Gafford sort of falling back towards the rim, having that one guy sort of guarding the pick and roll. If you're giving up mid-range shots or whatever it might be, then so be it I mean you have to give away something and the Bulls are actually one of the worst teams in terms of giving up the mid-range, mid-range shot what I mean by that is the Bulls actually or their Bulls opponents don't take mid-range shots which is not what you want your defense to be doing the Bulls actually give up a lot of shots at the rim they give up a lot of shots at, in the corners which is again not surprising given the style of defense they have running like I said a good smart team can sort of pass their way through it where they, they can sort of find that rim rolling guy at the rim or where they can f- uh, find someone in the corner open from three so it's not surprising the shots that they do give up but in a drop coverage you're giving up those sort of mid-range shots you're giving up maybe some threes at the top but if that's the adjustment you need to make to, in order to get guys like Gafford closer to the rim and maybe just adjust your defensive scheme slightly with Wendell out, I think the Bulls, that's the adjustment the Bulls need to make. Obviously, it's tough to make that in just adjustment mid-season, so I understand I understand sort of changing or shaping your coverage a little bit differently in, in the middle of a season is a tough ask, and the Bulls did slightly change their defense somewhat against the Pacers where they were switching a little bit more later in the game, but they got carved up doing that as well because, again, guys like like Gafford and Mark and aren't natural movers to the point where you can have them on an island against smaller guys so that's not going to work either you can't switch you're going to have to drop back a little bit more it means being more conservative it means you're not going to get as many turnovers and get into the passing lane as often but Who cares? I mean, just change what you're doing now just to hopefully sustain the game a little bit more and at least make the games a little bit more competitive. So that's what I would do. That's what I would like to see Boylan do, but uh, we will see what will happen over the coming games. But thus far, not much has changed. So something to watch, Bulls fans, as we move forward here with life without Wendell Carter for the next four to six weeks which is going to be tough it's going to be a rough watch but it is what it is unfortunately but that is enough about the defense for now I'm sure we'll be talking about that plenty going forward but I want to talk about a little bit more about our balls but first let me tell you about this week's sponsor ever seen an untucked button down they look really bad do you know why that is because they weren't meant to be worn that way thankfully there's untuck it the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, untucked shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 fit combinations, untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim and athletic guys of all ages. For me, I'm probably 5'10", checking in around 180, something like that. Obviously not a huge frame, but these untucked shirts fit me very, very nicely. Another cool thing about these shirts as well is you can choose your style like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is super easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untucker.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's UNTUCKIT.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. Alright, back to the podcast now, Bulls fans. Let's keep talking Bulls. Like I said, a very impressive win. Well... (laughs) Maybe that's pushing it too far. A nice win for the Bulls against the Pistons, an undermanned Pistons team. But it was a solid game. Pretty much everyone performed for the Bulls in this one. Like I said, that they got the Luke Cornett game. He finally showed up. Luke Cornette finally showed up this season, coming off the bench, reigning threes. He actually attempted nine threes in this game. This was the matchup that, makes probably most sense for a Luke Cornette type center, the one where you're playing against Drummond or you're playing against a big that sort of operates in the rim or around the rim, doesn't want to come out to the three-point line. This is the kind of opponent you want to match Luke Cornette up against because he's basically going to be ready for catch and shoots all game. And that's why he was managed to get nine attempts in this one. 15 points for Luke Cornett. Team high plus 20 plus 20 for Luke Cornett in a 9 point game so big game for him happy to see he actually had a positive game for once but it was also a nice Zach Levine game 25 points for Zach 6 assists 4 rebounds he's been playing much better of late we obviously saw Zach sort of well really be the lone force against the Indiana, Indiana Pacers no one really showed up for the balls in that one Zach had 43 points in that game, 14 of 23, shooting eight threes. It looked like he was going to pull the balls towards a victory by himself in the same way he did against the Charlotte Hornets when he had his 46 or 49 points, whatever it was, where he was draining three after three. He had that same look in his eyes where he was taking every shot. He was taking so many difficult shots, but they were still going the hell in. And That was happening against the Pacers as well. He was the brunt of the offense. He was supported well from Kobe White as well, who had twenty-three points off the bench. But beyond that, not many balls turned up. That was this was a really bad Lowry Lowry marketing game, only having the eleven points in thirty-four minutes. But at the same time, it's hard to be critical of Lowry because of the ankle injury that he's obviously playing through. And I, I mentioned it from the top there that Jim Boylan, I guess, came to bat for Lowry in the sense that he 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 made it clear that Lowry has been battling an injury, which I guess on some levels is commendable the fact that he's willing to go out there and play for the balls the fact that he's going out there and trying to help his team despite his own ailments but at the same time you don't want to be risking someone of Lowry's stature by sort of risking his ankle even more by putting him out there when he's clearly hobbled obviously not performing he's limited to a degree that's why he's not necessarily going out there and hunting out his own offense only nine attempts against the Pacers Pretty similar against the Detroit, Detroit Pistons as well. Only 14 points for Mark and on 11 shots. So, he's clearly fading into the background of the offense at the moment. Obviously, because he's limited, he probably has or is struggling with the, his ability to get on the move and to get into the lanes. And obviously, that's made a lot tougher to do when you're playing on a bum ankle sort of thing. So, I I, I don't want to be too critical of Lowry, even though he has looked lost somewhat. But at the same time, he's out there, he's trying to play. He's obviously is playing, but he isn't looking great, which again, justifiably so. But it's tough seeing him go out there and and, and sort of go back to or reverting back to what we saw in maybe October, November and it was unexplainable as to what Larry was happening at, at that point. Maybe it was the oblique injury. We obviously know he's carrying an ankle issue now but I don't know. It just doesn't sit with well with me that the fact that Larry's sort of pushing through here with an injury. Same thing with Daniel Gafford. Obviously, the Bulls need bodies. They can't have their entire front line out with injuries. Someone needs to show up and play but I don't know. At the same time, I'm torn. I, I don't want to see guys going out there injured and playing and maybe hurting themselves even more. I think that's you know, in the age of load management where other teams are resting their players, that may be sore. I think even about the Memphis Grizzlies when Ja Morant, when his back was sort of sore, they were resting him on back to so backs, even holding him out of some games because his back was tightening up and those sorts of things. Obviously, a player like Morant, he's young. He doesn't have the miles on his legs like Kawhi Leonard does, as an example, but they were still wise enough to maybe hold out their guy and, and just try to manage him through the season. So... I just wonder if the Bulls are pushing their guys a little too hard here. And uh, there's probably some people listening to this and just cringing at me, even suggesting as much. But I don't know. Obviously, Carter's out injured. The Bulls, are, they're a key front court player down. But I, I just wonder if they're pushing it a little bit too far here where maybe... Daniel Gafford or, or Larry Muck and maybe they they injure the ankle again and it, it goes down or it gets a lot worse than what it previously was. And we saw that for Gafford against the Pacers where he tried to guard on the perimeter. He got his legs sort of, or he got his ankles broken a little bit. But again, that's to be expected given one of his ankles is probably already sore. One of the ligaments in his ankles have already been stretched. I mean, I'm not blaming Gafford for being cooked on an offensive possession, but he almost re-injured himself on there. He got up gingerly and sort of was hobbling down the court. So I don't know. This is this is a, a watch this space type thing with the Bulls and with Mark and with Gafford. Hopefully those injuries don't rear their heads going forward in the next few weeks because the Bulls can't afford that to happen particularly with some bigger front lines coming up for the Bulls that, that they've got to face in the next few days. They've got the Philadelphia 76ers on Friday now. The Sixers are we going to be without Joel Embiid, so that makes it a little easier, but they're still a very, very big team. The Bulls also have the Bucks on the following Monday on the 20th of Jan. That is a big team, so they've just got to be a little careful here that these guys don't pick up another injury. So again, watch this space on that one. But I mentioned the record from before, 14 and 26 now for the Bulls. They've played 40 games at this point in the season. We're essentially at the halfway point of the season. We will will be at the halfway point after the Bulls hit the road and face the Boston Celtics tonight in Boston. So after that game, we would have played 41 games. We'll see where the record lies at that point. But essentially, we're, we're at the halfway point right now. And I don't know. After this Pistons game, there was an overwhelming thought that came in my mind that, After a nice little win here, even though the Bulls are now 12 games under 500, which is most certainly not what any of us thought that where they would be at this point, I couldn't help but think that despite all the issues that we've talked about this season, despite the defensive scheme that I personally do not like, the fact that the Bulls are a bottom five offense again, the fact that players are injured, obviously Otto Porter's basically missed the entire season, now Wendell's missing time. All the other nonsense that we have sort of had to talk about on this podcast obviously most certainly Jim Boylan and all the nonsense that comes with him. Despite all that, I can't help but think that the Bulls should be a 500 team right now. And Again, that was the overwhelming thought that I had after this Pistons win to the point where I was thinking in my head, it, it only takes six games maybe to go differently and then all of a sudden instead of being 12 games at under 500... The Bulls are at 500. If some of those losses that they have, six of those losses instead turn into wins, then we're looking at a team that's currently 20 and 20. And straight off the top of my head, I was going back to the two losses to the Warriors games, which definitely should not have happened. I go back to one of the first games that the Bulls played this season against the Knicks. That was a game that they had control over, one that they were up double digits in. Obviously, the Bulls have had problems with double digits leads all season. That was the game they most definitely shouldn't have dropped. They lost one to the Cleveland Cavaliers not there long after. We obviously have seen them drop two games to the Charlotte Haunts. There's just been games where they shouldn't have lost and they have to the point where I can't help but think maybe there's six, maybe there's seven, maybe there's even more games than that where if they just execute a little bit better, they could probably eke out these wins and maybe the Bulls are 20 and 20 right now or somewhere in that vicinity, even if they're 19 and 21. Something like that to the point where the whole perception of the of this season just changes dramatically if, for whatever reason, they don't drop these stupid games that they shouldn't have lost. So that was the overwhelming thought that I had against the Pistons because I guess the Bulls have just royally destroyed the, the Pistons this year. They've killed the Atlanta Hawks. Seven of their 14 wins this season have come against those two teams. They're 5-26 and against the rest of the league. So they haven't performed that great when they haven't played those teams. But even irrespective of that, again, I can't help but come back to the fact that maybe just our perception and our narrative of this season looks and sounds a little bit differently had they not gone through that mess and dropped these stupid games and maybe we're looking at a 20 and 20 team right now and the Bulls would firmly be in the seventh seed if that was the case to uh to the delight of my friend C Red Fred but unfortunately we're talking about a team now that's 12 games under 500 most certainly is not in the top eight right now we'll see how that obviously transpires over the next coming months but I don't know. It just feels like a wasted opportunity at this point, this season, and and with every win, I uh, maybe it's just, this says more about me than and than anything else. But I, I just can't. I can't get past the fact that there's been, there's been too many missed opportunities. I talked about this on last week's show, but I guess now maybe it reared its head again, again, because we got a nice win against the Pistons. But the fact that we're at that halfway point of the season, we're able to look back and look over where this season has sort of gone thus far and all the mess that we've sort of had to deal with and we've talked about. But it's five, six, seven games go a little bit differently. Those games that I sort of outlined before where we all assume the Bulls should have won those games. Then the, the entire way we're talking about this season, maybe that maybe that changes. And maybe our outlook on the rest of the season, the players on this roster, where this team is sort of trending towards going forward, maybe that changes. I don't know. Obviously, it would still be a flawed roster. It would still have its limitations. We would still be talking about how bad a coach Tim Boylan is and the fact that his scheme still is stupid, irrespective of, of the results. The process of it is dumb. But maybe the decibels of our voice wouldn't be ringing so loudly at that point. I don't know. But it's something I think about now as we push forward, and I see these ra- these losses sort of continue to rack up, and I-, I just wonder, just wonder if we've let a good opportunity sort of slip by this season. But look, like I said, I talked about it last week. I'm sure we'll be talking about it going forward as well. But as I mentioned, the Bulls have the Boston Celtics. Tonight in Boston Then they come back to the United Center On Wednesday to face the Washington Wizards Before playing the Philadelphia 76ers On the road on Friday Then coming home to play the Cavaliers On Saturday night in Chicago So a pretty it's an interesting week for the Bulls in the sense that I'm probably expecting two losses against the Celtics. I'm hopeful of two wins against the Wizards and Cavaliers. So if they can go 500 this week, that would be ideal for the Bulls. But at the same time, I, I don't know what is the best course of action for this team going forward right now. Do I want to see the team win and maybe push back towards the eighth seed? Or do I want to see full-on chaos? And do I want to see that chaos force some change here? I, I go back and forth because... I mean, just as an example, think about the games that we had this weekend, that that really bad loss against the Indiana Pacers, a Pacers team missing three starters. Obviously, the Bulls were down two of their own starters, but at the same time, you after that game where the Bulls were really destroyed inside, you you think to yourself, man, I would like to see this team lose as many games as they possibly can. That way, it just ups the pressure on guys like Jim Boylan, on Gar Packs, on ownership to make something happen, make some changes, but then... At the same time, when you, when the Bulls come out and get a win, even though it's against a shitty Pistons team, a win is a win. It's nice to see your team actually win a basketball game every now and then. It's nice to see your players actually look like they're enjoying basketball for a change. So I, I go back and forth as to what the best scenario is for this, the Bulls, I guess, going forward during this season. I think the most likely case is they probably end up being a few games out of the playoffs, maybe four or five games out of the playoffs, but then maybe they're only, I don't know, six or seven games away from being the worst team in the NBA. So they, I won't say they're stuck in NBA, NBA hole because they, they most certainly aren't given that they are a young team, a rebuilding team. I mean, NBA Hull is a team like the Detroit Pistons, the the team the Bulls just played. One that doesn't have a lot of good young players. Having said that, Sekou Dumboya looked very nice against the Bulls, but ignoring Dumboya for the moment. I mean, they're a team like they've got Blake Griffin, who's obviously out for the rest of the season with his issues, most likely with his knee. They, They don't know what they're doing with Andre Drummond at the trade deadline. That's a team going nowhere. That's not the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls, Whilst they've been disappointing this season, they still have some upside. There's still a path for them to get better to a degree. But having said that, I don't know what I want the rest of this season to be. So when I think about what the first half of the season has been and thinking about what the next half will be, I'm still undecided as to whether I want to root for wins. I'm undecided if I want to see my team lose, which is a shitty position to be in given that We've just had two previous seasons of losing, two tanking years. I didn't want to be talking about losses again this season, but is it the right thing to be talking about at this point or the right thing to be hoping for? Not because I want to see my team losing, but is it the, is it the thing that's going to drive change? Is it the thing that's going to force some change? Is it the thing that's going to get Jim Boylan out of my life? If that is the case, then maybe I want to see the team win. So that's what I'm thinking about going forward into the next half. Of the season. I don't know. Maybe hit me up on Twitter at MK Hoops. Am I being stupid here? What What do you want to see the Bulls do as they push forward through the season? Do you want to see them sort of claw out some wins, get some wins against some better teams here and maybe try to fight for that eighth seed? Maybe even the seventh seed. Who knows? Both of those seeds are open at the moment, particularly with, with Orlando probably going to be without Jonathan Isaac for the rest of the season. Do you want to see the Bulls pushing towards a playoff opportunity if they can, even if it means getting absolutely destroyed by the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round, or do you want to see them? maybe end up with 28, 30 wins, something like that, maybe end up with a 6th or 7th worth record and maybe hope for some lottery luck to the point where they jump into the top three or four places and maybe can get a nice pick pick out of the draft. I, I, I don't know what the bet, the right answer is. I think it depends on, for me at least, it depends on the day, really. I mean, like I said, if we if I was recording this straight after the Pacers game, my, my opinion is probably a lot different at that point. It's obviously somewhat different now coming at you after a Pistons win. That was nice to see. So my opinion on this sort of thing changes depending on the results that happen with the Bulls. I'm a little fickle like that, but that's fandom, I suppose. But what what do you want to see? Is there a right answer? Because I think you can justify it from both sides, unfortunately, which makes it a tough situation. But uh, yeah, like I said, I go back and forth. But let me know what you think, Bulls fans. Hit me up on Twitter at mkhoops. But that just about does it for this episode of Bulls HQ. We'll see if the Bulls can go through this week maybe at a 500 record. Maybe they can sneak out a win against the Boston Celtics who haven't been playing that well of late. But we shall see. But thank you again, Bulls fans, for tuning into Bulls HQ. If you want to hit me up on Twitter, do so at MK Hoops. Follow the show on Twitter too, at Bulls HQ Pod. If you want to drop me an email, you can do that too, Bulls HQ Pod at gmail.com. Hit me up. Any questions you may have, any ideas for the show, whatever it might be, send me an email. But that just about does it for this episode of Bulls HQ. Thank you for tuning in. Hopefully, we've got a few wins coming up this season. But then again, maybe you don't want to see the team win. Maybe you want full chaos. You want to see some change. So maybe you're rooting for the losses. Who knows? And maybe this upcoming week will help us answer that question. But that just about does it for Bulls HQ. Thank you, Bulls fans, for tuning in. Speak soon.